My guest today is Jordan Gill. Now, Jordan is a seven-figure business strategist whose mission is for high-achieving business owners to prioritize rest without sacrificing revenue. That sounds pretty great. Now, from 2020 to 2022, Jordan has helped more than 500 coaches and consultants create VIP days. And in 2023, she gained over 1,000 new email leads from her short-form subscribers method, and right now, Jordan runs the Ready, Set, Collab network for established entrepreneurs who want to grow their business with win-win collabs. I want to tell you, I am a part of Jordan's Ready, Set, Collab network. It has been so transformational, so helpful for me to meet other creators, business owners, entrepreneurs, and find new opportunities to get my message and get my work out there. And in exchange, meet incredible people who are doing world changing work. And as you'll hear in our conversation today, Jordan has gone through it. She has experienced hard costs in her business, in her personal life, in her childhood, and now as she builds her businesses in public. And she is so open and so honest, and I'm so thankful that she shared what she did in today's episode. I cannot wait for your feedback on this episode of Hard Costs featuring Jordan Gill. And with all of that said, here's Jordan. Welcome to Hard Costs, the podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, fractional CMO and funnel fixer. And guess what? I'm good in a crisis and I know how to see through the chaos to find clarity. That's something I've learned from working behind the scenes as a strategic partner for visionary CEOs. I'm on a mission to bring founders to the forefront and to tell the truth about the hard costs of doing business. You know, we all see wins shared on social media highlight reels every day, but what we don't often get a glimpse into are the tough times, the lost revenue, hiring and firing, moments that required major pivots and so much more. On hard costs, we're bringing forward the stories that will help you understand that the roller coaster ride you're on is all part of the gig. And just like a roller coaster, the founder journey can be pretty thrilling. Take a listen while I share my own experiences, case studies from companies I've worked with, and I'm joined by some of my favorite founders to help you navigate this storm the right way. Now let's rise together. Jordan, I am so excited to talk with you today. Oh, I'm so excited too. I like to get into the nitty gritty. So when you sent me hard costs and what we're going to be talking about, I'm like, yes. And so oh, <laughs> that makes me so happy because, you know, transparently, one of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast and it's actually, a, it's an iteration of a podcast that I had started before. And it just didn't totally yeah. feel in alignment because mm. I think what, what I know you'll be sharing on our conversation today and what I have found to be true with so many entrepreneurs and business owners is that Outside of the the PL, when you're looking at your team costs and your carrying costs and all this, it, there are hard costs that you bring into your mindset, to your wellness, to your family. And I think truly, let's just jump in with you because one of the things yeah. that has resonated so deeply for me as a fan of yours is it feels to me like you really let it all out there. You've talked about your chronic illness. You've talked about being a bonus mm -hmm. mom. You have revealed hard personal conversations that you and your husband have had. So yeah. talk to me about what your perspective is on sharing those hard costs and, and what has it felt like to be public with them? Totally. You know, it's, um, I have a very, uh, interesting or unique 
childhood, I guess, uh, in the sense that my dad, uh, was a football coach. He's retired now. Uh, but he was a, a football coach for college and pro and it is a very public, it's not celebrity status, right? Like you're not going to see me and my family on like, I don't know, E or anything, but you could see me on ESPN or something, right? If, if something crazy and scandalous happened. But, and so growing up that way, there was always this idea of you have to show up a certain way. And because it can either be construed one way, perceived one way, taken and ran with by some Joe Schmo in their basement. And so having that childhood, I was very adamant that I did not want to have a public figure life <laughs> um, and whatnot. And, and it's not a knock to, to my dad. And, and that was absolutely the profession that he needed to be in. Uh, and I learned a lot about really not allowing other people's perceptions of you get you down because at 12, 14, like I've had all sorts of horrendous, inappropriate, disgusting, terrible things said about me. And so that really put up a wall for me again, saying like, okay, well, I, I don't want anybody to know anything about my life. I just want to go like work behind the scenes somewhere, live a simple life, like, you know, that sort of thing. And then, you know, online marketing industry came, came about, I suppose. And I was working for, uh, like kind of an online celebrity kind of person, Melanie Duncan. She's not in the, um, industry anymore, but, uh, even seeing her, uh, her and her husband were phenomenal. It was a wonderful job hand and over foot. And I also got to see too, like on the online space, you know, what people say, what people do, the conclusions they draw about you, all sorts of stuff. They'll hear one thing and then literally assume a hundred things about you. And, you know, seeing those things, it definitely scared me off. And at the same time, I think that because of the childhood that I had, I actually have a very um, grounded sense of self. I don't really get bothered too much when people are saying things that aren't true about me because I know who I am. My very close people know who I am. My clients, my team members, people who actually care to like get to know me, they know who I am. And so anyone else who wants to draw conclusions, like, I guess you could spend your time on me, but whatever, you know? So I think that in this space of sharing the conversations I've had with my husband, my you know, relationship with my bonus son and how that has, has impacted my life and chronic illness and making changes in business. All of that is, I do it for the people that know who I am and everyone else I pretty much ignore. <laughs> it's kind of like my philosophy on it. And that really comes through. I remember, I think I was probably checking my email late at night, which obviously... <laughs> Uh, there are boundaries that I'm still working on, as I know you have, have expressed too. Yes. Um, but I remember the email came in and it was the one where you were sharing this experience that you had had with your bonus son. And it yeah. was the first time, Jordan, that I really felt like, wow, here is a successful woman CEO who is mm -hmm. managing a team who is doing the entrepreneur thing. I mean, you build in public, you know, we'll talk a yeah. little bit about yeah. that, but you're constantly saying like, here, I'm literally, I'm, I'm building the plane as I'm flying it and come along with me. But you know, <laughs> totally. this email was so personal and, and it felt to me like you were still kind of in the messy middle of it where you're like, Hey, oh, yeah. I'm not actually telling you like what I went through and how great it is on the other side. I'm in it and come mm -hmm. along with me. And even though 
I didn't have a parallel experience to yours. I, it mm-hmm. hit me so much in all of the places in mm-hmm. my head and my heart and my gut and my soul. And I just thought, yeah. um, I don't want to say brave because I think we throw that mm-hmm. around probably too much and it really mm-hmm. encourages performative actions. Yeah. But I will just tell you, and I, I hope that this was the reaction that you got from your audience too, mm-hmm. was that, you know, someone being willing to say, these, they, these things can exist at the same time. I can be yeah. running a successful business and doing all of these things. And yet at home, this is right. what I'm going through and yeah. it hurts. Was yeah. it a difficult decision to hit send or was it just go and that's part of, <laughs> that's part of how you've created this, this loyal audience? Uh, totally. I think there's, I've really learned to trust my gut, which has come mm-hmm. about from many years of um, EMDR therapy, uh, which is like a PTSD therapy, and understanding that I really can trust my gut. And so in that moment, it, that was I wrote that email hours after it happened and whatnot, because I was literally just sitting in bed. My husband is sleeping. He has no idea. And, you know, I just, I just came from laying in bed with him and, and having that conversation. And, and I was like, I am not sure why I'm feeling called to open my laptop at this current moment. And at the same time, I, I recognize that when you reach some level of success, you know, outside perspectively and even internally, uh, people start to assume that life is all roses and like, you're just racking in money and just floating on floaties and drinking pina coladas and whatever else. And, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but in my case, that isn't true most of the time. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't mean my life is bad or hard or anything, but real, (laughs) it's just real. So I think that when I don't necessarily feel as though it's like a, I need to get this off my chest and I need people to know this about me. It's more usually like, there's probably somebody who thinks that like, life is supposed to be all dandy and all that sort of stuff. And when your business is successful, your life is going to be great because that's an interesting polarization too. I've, I've talked to a few people about of just like literally a lot of times when life is, or when business is like really grand and expansive and awesome, like that's when life is like really tough. So I, I, I check my gut with that one because even the conversation with my husband that I had, I shared probably a week or so after so it wasn't as immediate as the one um, about my bonus son. And I also am very cognizant of my husband and my bonus son are both pretty private people. Well, mm-hmm. Colin would be on my TikTok and my Instagram every day if you had the choice. <laughs> but um, I'm very cognizant of, um, again, thinking about when I was a kid back in the day and when I was thrown into the limelight-ish and what was said about me. So I'm very limiting and protective of when Colin is on my profile and, and all that stuff. And Marcus is very private. Like he has an Instagram only because I told him to get one because I was like, look at all the cool things I'm doing. You're missing out. And he's like, you just tell me in bed anyway. Like, I don't know why exactly. I have to do this. Um, so, or they so, yeah, keep I us think humble and they're like, no, 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 you're yeah. all that to them. But like, you're still the person that left the dishes in the same <laughs> <day>. <laughs> exactly. That's what exactly. I think sometimes that's really their role is to keep it us is. grounded and, and humbled. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. So, so I lost sometimes it's in the moment, but I would say more often than not, I do share things with a little bit of space because I am an internal processor. But in that moment, I was like, I'm going to internally process. And I don't think I even read it a second time. I think I literally just pushed send. <laughs> I was just like, 
Okay, yeah. I got it out. It was and like, like the literal full said. send moment. Just yeah. full send and sit back and get back in bed. And right, it is exactly. It is. Yeah, yeah. I I love Jordan that you referenced therapy too. You know, I my friends, my colleagues, people who know me know that I went through a really rapid spiral into severe burnout. I mean, mm. clinical burnout. And it was, mm-hmm. you know, at what looked like the height of my career. And I was on this trajectory. And, um, you know, I had always been open to therapy, but really it was like, I have two choices. Like I can get help and resolve this or not. And I know yep. what happens if I don't. And so yep. my therapist introduced me to EMDR and it was the very first time I had ever, you know, all, all I thought about was talk therapy and right. you know, in, in-person treatment. And mm-hmm. EMDR it was so transformative for me. Yes. I still really use that and RRT and other, mm-hmm. uh, not even, um, I don't know, coping mechanisms is certainly not the right word, but ways yeah. to sort of in Tools. the moment really, yeah, validate like, what am I feeling? Why am I feeling it? And how am I going to let this how am I going to resolve it right here, right now, or release it? And that is something um, that I think high achieving people, particularly women, um, I think anybody who's marginalized really, who has been kind of up against this like institutional um, challenges uh, probably faces this more. But when I shared it, the people in my direct messages in particular mm-hmm. who had questions, wanted to know more, really felt validated, I think. Um, that to me was, it was like the gateway to saying, oh, okay, if this was the response to me sharing this piece of it, imagine what will happen if I talk about yeah. the times when I have to lay team members off or I have to totally. lay clients off or I make a mistake yes. or, you know. So I, I just really, I really want to thank and commend you for being open because personally it has inspired me. And I know that that cascading effect is hopefully what our what friends, followers, colleagues, and audiences yeah. are hearing. So thank you for, for sharing yeah, that. I appreciate that. So you took me a little bit behind the scenes into young Jordan. Take yes. me back again. So <laughs> you are, you, you, have this childhood that you talked a little bit about, you talked a little bit about your family. Did young Jordan think, well, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be known for doing VIP days for <laughs> upper level clients. I'm going to be a marketing superstar. I'm going to launch all the, like what, what did young Jordan think it was going to look like to be an adult? You know, young Jordan was very eccentric um, very like high energy, which is very interesting. I'm like, I think I just used it all up in my childhood and my body was like, calm down. <laughs> uh, whatnot. But you know, I, I went through a phase of like wanting to be a movie star, but really that was just because I wanted really cool clothes. And then I was like, Oh, you can wear cool clothes without having to do all that work. Well, never mind. Like, I don't want to do that. Um, and then I, you know, being in a sports world, it was fun. It was exciting. It was, you know, a lot going on. And so I, I thought that I wanted to go into sports, uh, not, I am terrible on the actual field or the court or the arena. Like you don't want me on your team. Uh, but I, uh, behind the scenes, like operations, right. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. when is the, the game clock needs to start? Okay. And then the ad rolls, you know, at this time, and then the guy with the red vest on comes in and waves the white flag or whatever. So I actually really enjoyed again, the very detailed, kind of orchestrating of games. And so I went that route, but then I realized I don't really get paid very well and I have to work all my nights and weekends. 
Like, what, are, what kind of setup is Pass. this? Right? <laughs> like, it's just like, who, who decided on this? And so I then um, at the time had finished up like an apprenticeship after college and went um, and was staying with my parents because I was like, well, we're restarting over here. So let me just go on and back to mom and pop. And I started my master's degree because, you know, that's what you do when you have nothing else going on. And then I started, um, it actually was, I don't know if you're familiar with creative live. Mm -hmm. Um, that was my entrance into the online space. So I actually, my senior year photographer was doing a class on creative live about photography, about Photoshop. So random. Of course I'm on her email list. She shoots out that she's on creative live. Come watch. I go watch her thing. And then Oddly enough, my future boss was like the upcoming class, Melanie Duncan, about Pinterest, watched her class. So that was like a seed planted for me, got on her email list. And then I ended up again getting like a sports nonprofit job or whatever. But all throughout that time, I was following Melanie Duncan very, very closely. And so I then was, and it's, crazy how life is. But I remember going to bed one night, just be like, if Melanie Duncan just had a job, I'm, this is not me like doing the Hollywood version. Literally the next day I get an email from her email list saying I'm hiring for a head of content. And what, and I was like, she doesn't even know, like, she doesn't even know, like, I am the perfect person. Like, this is <laughs> like my whole thing. Um, cause it was, it was very much like orchestrating and curriculum development and very systematic work, but with content. And so I did a really intense application, um, which was great. And then I like to do things that stand out. This is not new to anybody. <laughs> so, but the tricky part about when you're doing jobs with online people is you don't know their addresses rightfully so. Right. Um, so I was like, okay, how can I, like, I can't send anything because I don't know her mailing address, but also if I did know her mailing address, they probably would not hire me because I'm like creepy. Right. right. So, There's a line and you were, you were trying to find it. <laughs> I was trying to find it. Like, where is it? And I remember she was speaking at social media marketing world. She did a Facebook live uh, with Amy Porterfield at the time. And they were talking and you know, I'm like paying attention to, you know, the background and everything. And then they're like, yeah, and we're staying at, um, I don't even remember what the hotel was, but, uh, it was somewhere in San Diego. And I was like, bet like, <laughs> this is it. So I went through her Pinterest board. She's one, she's known for Pinterest, but secondly, I wanted to know her flavor profiles. So I went and looked at her flavor profiles. I called up Sprinkles Cupcakes, ordered a dozen cupcakes in the different flavors that I knew she would like based on what she pins on Pinterest, had them sent over with a little note um, that said, you know, hope that your, you know, talk about Pinterest goes really well, social media marketing world. And I got you two of each flavor. So you don't even have to share with Devin, who's her husband. And um, obviously that got me the job. <laughs> yeah, that worked. <laughs> yeah. That so uh, it, was, it was kind of a running joke for a while, but uh you know, and then that was really my first entry into the online space. And I was their first employee, full-time employee in their business. And they were already a seven-figure business when I was there, ran into eight figures. So it was really an awesome experience that I cherish still to this day. And their leadership really has shaped my type of leadership and, and whatnot. So it, um, 
So yeah, no, young Jordan was not paying attention to the online space. She was creating plays and making her mom film it on camcorders. I have all sorts of funny footage that I could probably put up on the internet, but maybe one day. Young Jordan and young Katie, by the way, would have gotten along beautifully for two (laughs) reasons that I know. Well, three, I love cupcakes and I would have loved somebody who was so committed to my happiness. So that would have worked (laughs) out well for us. But it's funny, just listening to your story, I went to school, I went to college for sports journalism, and I thought for sure I was going to be, I thought I was going to be Hannah Storm. I was going to be on air. I was going to be doing color. Uh, I was grew up in Boston. You can't really grow up in Boston and not be a huge sports fan. And it turned out that as I got into it, I really liked being the boss. I liked being in control. I liked being the person who figured out what to do when something went sideways. And it turns out that was behind the scenes. So I I started Mm -hmm. my career as a TV producer. So really similar to what you were talking about. Um, And also, you know, being a a done for you service provider and really kind of using that to learn how to lead, to work with incredible people, um, to learn how to manage teams, manage all of those things. And, you know, I often think about my experience in the corporate world with a a somewhat similar kind of trajectory as you described with Melanie is it, it for me was an MBA. It really was a master's level program in understanding how to look at the, you know, back to hard costs, like how to understand that top line revenue is not the same thing as net revenue and why it is so different to run a profitable company versus just running a company that's bringing in money. And I love that, that you had that experience as well and that it was such a positive one for you. And it feels Mm -hmm. to me. So there's a, there's a mantra that I come back to a lot, which is a rising tide lifts all boats. And I often think of that when I see you talking about collaborations, which is, you know, I think it, I think you have to have the mentality that, it, it doesn't always have to be about what am I getting, but when you give and when you empower and when you teach and you collaborate, yeah. ultimately, as you know, and as people in Ready, Set, Club know, yeah. when you do that, you actually get like 10x in return, right? Totally. But I, I think you have to really believe in that to commit to the process. Was there anything in this journey that you've described, kind of your start in in your career, you becoming a CEO, you running a team that really was your aha moment in terms of the power of collaborations? Mm, yeah, I was from actually not even day one, like day negative six weeks from when I started. <laughs> so from the Melanie Duncan um, position, for me, I really loved the job. Nothing wrong with it. Was living my life, all the things. And uh, for me, God tugged on my heart and was like, time to go. And I was like, listen, there's a lot of Jordans out here in the world. You, you know, you could have got me mixed up with somebody else. But like, I'm good over here. We ain't got to do all that. Uh, and he was like, no, you. Uh, so, um, you know, p- people have tugs on their, you know, on the, from the universe and their gut. But I was just like, okay, if I don't obey this, then I know my life is actually going to be worse. Um, so I guess I'm just going to trust. And so um, I gave my six weeks notice. And which was very difficult for me. Uh, but once I gave a six weeks notice, because we were literally going into a launch. So if you're like, why was it six weeks? That's so dramatic. Um, but like, we were literally going into a launch and I was like, this is, we got to compromise here. So six weeks. And, um, you know, during those six weeks, I actually was connecting with a few different friends of mine. One of them being Melissa Berkheimer, who's still a really close biz bestie. We were gabbing last night and, 
um, she gave me uh, a couple of my very first clients. And what I recognized about that was like, people actually love to help. You know, we think that when we ask for help that we're burdening people. But again, when you're in a relationship with people or when you're connected to people, like I know I love connecting people. I love like finding resources for people. I love like, if you're like, Oh, I'm going to live in Portugal, bet I've got the best chocolate cake in the world spot. Like, let me show you where it's at. You know, people love doing that stuff. So that was my first understanding. And like, while it wasn't a collab per se, it was like more of a referral partner slash connecting opportunity that really set the tone then for the rest of my business. Cause I started my business day one, knowing that I was going to be making $12,000 a month, monthly recurring revenue. You were just committed. Like it wasn't just, that was a goal. You were just saying, this is what it is. Like that's how many clients I got. Like each client was $3,000 a month and I got four of them. Wow. So this I didn't was, even know what my goal was. This is like, my goal. This is like, I'm coming out of it with this foundation of clients. That's incredible, Jordan. Yeah. Yep. So that, that, that really rings true in my head very, very often. And even the courage to give my six weeks was based on my dad actually had left a job that was at his alma mater. Like he was loved all of that stuff, but he, you know, felt God pull him out of, you know, a situation and say time to go. And I didn't even know I saw the press conference. Right. So it was seeing his courage. And I mean, he was technically unemployed for like four or five months and we're like, okay, this is like, and like everyone knows that my dad's unemployed. Right. It's not like usually like people's private moments. It's like, no. <laughs> um, and so, you know, and then he got a really awesome job in Green Bay, Wisconsin for the Packers. And then we went there, but uh, seeing him in that moment gave me the courage to then in that moment be like, okay, I'm going to trust. And then mm-hmm. seeing again, how he handled his unemployment and being like, okay, I'm going to connect with people. I'm going to have a bunch of calls. I'm going to talk with people. I'm going to fly here. I'm going to fly there. I had a very same mentality of just like, Hey, I'm looking for positions where I can do systems work. I can't also do curriculum design. If people need that, do you know of anyone? And I was very direct. It was not a, can you please maybe if so, kind of, sort of, it was not like (laughs) livelihood. Right. So I, and I'm so grateful for the friendships I had, which during the two years at Melanie, I would go to live events. I would connect with people and I never needed anything because I'm like, I have the job. I'm like, good. And so, you know, two years of goodwill, a year of goodwill with people and just building relationships. Then when I asked, they're like, of course I want to send you people like here's people that I know. Right. So I think that we overthink the ask when people would be more than happy to support and more than happy to connect and more than happy to, help in any way. And sometimes it's us that are in the way of like getting to that next step or getting to that next connection because we're telling ourselves stories, you know? Yes. Or I think, and I've fallen into this trap, you're sort of conditioned to talk about how great your business is. Like I'm filled with clients. Everything is great. And those that can be true. And yet your ambitions are bigger or it doesn't leave space to say, but actually for the right client or the right opportunity, of course I'd make room. So I find myself in that trap too. And uh, Mm -hmm. recently was talking with a colleague and she said, Oh, there was someone who was perfect for you, but I knew you were booked. And I thought, Oh man, I, I did that, you know, by, by posturing as this thing, Um, Mm -hmm. so, so I really love that. And I think what I like too, about what you've created is that it's almost like, 
you have a safe space of people that you can really say, here's what right. I'm looking for. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to be on Instagram totally. every day talking yep. about things are great. But, um, and I just, I also don't think that's particularly effective, but like you said, the right yeah. people who it's like such a heck yes for them to say your name, even when you're mm -hmm. not around. I, I love that. Um, mm -hmm. so here's what I would love to know about you and the way that you, from my perspective, I see you build your businesses in public. And I don't know mm -hmm. if that's by design. I think it, my guess is it goes back to what you're talking about. It's just like, Hey, I can't do anything, but just be me. Has there yeah. ever been a time I I know that there have, are real opportunities. People see, Oh, Jordan's doing this. I got to get in on it while it's early. She's doing this thing with AI, man, I need to go watch her. <laughs> so I yeah. like, I see that because I'm so attracted to that and really yeah. like, Literally, if you, I'm sure you and your team, if you looked at the metrics, be like, this girl, Katie, it's like she's <laughs> waiting for the email to hit. I'm there. I'm like, yes, I will, I will say every keyword. I will be in all of your many chatbots. Let's go. <laughs> like, I am, I am a power user. But with all of that said, have there, has there ever been a time when that has given you a challenge or you have felt mm. like, wow, being so public about what I'm doing really made it more difficult during the journey? Mm hmm. Yeah, I think that there, I remember when I was doing, I think it was my very first virtual conference back in 2020 when it was very early VIP day. So I'd launched my program March, 2020, which was amidst my very first VIP day gone wrong and like having somebody come at me and like, that's a whole story in and of itself, but not the one I want to talk about. Uh, a couple months later, I would, um, uh, did my first virtual conference. And at the time it was really hard for me to find people who even were doing VIP days. Right. So when I'm trying to fill even, I think it was like seven slots, like it wasn't even that many, but I was just like, who do people like, who is out here doing VIP days? Like anybody, anybody, anybody. And so I had a few people that I already knew that I was going to have on. And then I got recommendations and obviously spoke to the people, made sure that their values aligned and, and felt good. So as I'm, sharing about my virtual conference, I got a few DMs, which I appreciate, uh, that said, Hey, um, it was, this was amidst George Floyd's murder. Mm -hmm. So let me preface it by saying that. And I'm biracial. So my mom is white. My dad is black. So I have like identity crises like often, but, um, I got a few DMs from people that said, Hey, like, I'm noticing that you don't have a lot of diversity, like in your lineup, mm -hmm. like, is that intentional? And I was like, what? And like, I look at the lineup and sure enough, there is a lack of diversity. I mean, it's all women, but, um, there was a clear lack of diversity and like, I broke down because yeah. that is, I am somebody who cares very deeply about that. And um, I would like to say that I'm very aware of ensuring that that is the case and that I am bringing together different perspectives and different backgrounds and people and races and all the things. So I was crushed and I was like, okay, you can like sit in a corner and be sad about it. Um, or you can call it out. So I actually went live on Instagram and said, Hey, I have this virtual conference going on. And I want to say the elephant potentially that's in, in the room, which is that there is a clear lack of diversity in 
my virtual conference. It was a summit called a summit at the time or interview series. And I just want to publicly apologize. I don't want this to be how you think I run my business or what you think is most important to me. Um, and so while we are running this event still and we're moving forward, like I promise you my next event, you will not have a question in your mind about what I value. And, um, I was really grateful. And again, you know, people don't want to give you second chances and that's, that's cool too. And they're prerogative. Uh, but for the most part, people said like, I appreciate that. And like, I'm going to hold you to that. Right. And so, so then, you know, the second virtual conference was much more diverse and I was very actively looking for differences in people, because I think when we have a more vibrant, uh, eclectic room, we actually are able to then when we're in the room, see how much we are alike. And like, that's, what's really dope for me not to discount the differences. Cause I actually love learning about different religions and different things going on. But I think that a lot of times we think, Oh, that we're different. So therefore we can't be together. And I don't want that to be the case. So that was definitely a moment that sucked. Um, if I'm being honest, yeah. uh, but it was very pivotal for me. And again, a moment that I was able to learn and recognize that, you know, even in the midst of just trying to get an event together, I lost sight of what my values were. So that was very much, you know, a lesson that moving forward was never going to happen again. Yeah. I, I love that. And I think, you know, one of the things that I try really hard to be cognizant of as well is, you know, what, what does my inner circle look like? Um, I have a mm -hmm. very, very close friend who's a woman of color. I worked with her mm -hmm. in leadership. You know, we navigated the world of corporate, you know, just kind of all of the things internally, externally, and a very, very large um, membership-based program. And I really had the benefit of learning from her and, one of the things that she said that I thought was so beautiful is really when you can, and certainly there are times when you can call, you should call people out. There are times when people were absolutely intentional and hurtful and harmful and uh, zero tolerance, zero tolerance. But uh, she talks about calling people in. And I always thought that was so beautiful, which is, you know, mm -hmm. if you feel that there is a, a moment where this person has high values and has demonstrated that they are consistently doing the right thing for the right reasons. And they had one misstep or they said something that yeah. perhaps they just didn't understand a brief moment to right. call them in and really, yeah. you know, confront them and say like, Hey, mm -hmm. I don't know if you noticed this, but in it, it's harmful in these ways. And I think back to that a lot and just really always checking my own, my own circle, yeah. because mm -hmm. if, you know, I, I want to be called in, I want to be called out for all of those reasons that you just said, because yes. my values I, they are my core. They're my North star. And yep. when we're in marketing or like you, I have, my career has really been based in being the systems expert and yeah. transitioning from like being the person whose zone of genius is actually being in the weeds and then mm -hmm. really elevating to say, actually, I have to step out. Like I have to be the big yeah. picture person. And sometimes that's, that's more difficult and uncomfortable for me because my yeah. safe spot is being the fixer. Um, but I love that. Yeah. I love that you express that. And and that actually leads me to a, just one kind of final question about your experiences and your perspectives um, in, in your journey. What mm -hmm. is your inner circle? I mean, is it, you mentioned mm -hmm. your husband, your bonus son, you've got a team, you've got colleagues. Is it a small circle of people? Is it wide? What does it look like when you need somebody to mm -hmm. talk to, vent to, 
call you out, all of that. Uh, I don't, you know, what's interesting. I think that I, uh, because I moved, I moved 12 times growing up. Um, so that's why also we would have gotten along. My uh, my dad worked in television and we went from market to market to market. I went to nine schools before I graduated. Yeah. See, we would have been good pen pals. (laughs) Yes. Pen pals for real. Uh, and so I think that I just like, I'm a natural compartmentalizer, whether that's good or bad. Um, and so, like there's certain people that I have connections to for different reasons. Um, and so, um, I would say my husband first and foremost is hands down who God had intended for me for my life. Um, and is so encouraging. Um, and I can't say enough about him, but he would be like, please stop talking about me. Um, <laughs> like him on his then, Instagram account and just tell him, hey. Exactly. <laughs> like, just let me just be back here. And then I have kind of layers. So I have very, very few friends from growing up, from my childhood, probably three or four that I stay still in close contact with and that are not in the online space still are kind of like, go Jordan, don't know what you're doing. Um, you know, sort of thing. And I like going to them because they're going to keep me grounded. They're not going to, I don't have to be concerned about like, okay, you know, I don't know, trying to leverage or trying to pull one over or anything because they don't even know what's going on. They're just like, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so I, I kind of have that crew for that all from different places. And then business wise, I definitely have different circles. So I have a couple of peer masterminds that I'm in that I'm deepening the relationship with and truly loving. And then, um, I have like a few, again, kind of one offs. It's whether we had a client, a mutual client back in 2016. And then, and, you know, we've just stayed friends forever or, um, I spoke on their stage and then we just like really bonded. And all of a sudden like we're close friends then, or people are constantly connecting me. I was talking to Nicole on my team. She's like, I feel like I would be really intrigued. She's like, I like know your life generally because obviously, I, you know, we work closely, but she's like, your life is very fascinating. And I feel like if you documented it, people would probably be very intrigued. And like, oh my gosh, is that like, the next project you're building in oh public gosh, right now? You're listen. announcing the, the Jordan documentary, <laughs> the reality show. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. My husband would die. Um, but, uh, I don't think that that is on the horizon. Maybe one day I'll do, you know, a day in the life and it would be fun. Um, but I'm constantly being connected with, um, people are constantly DMing me and, and connecting, email connecting, um, saying you need to be on the show saying, I can't make this stage. Can you do the stage for me? And then I'm connected. It's just constant. And because I'm also constantly connecting people, I just think it's a flow. And like, I don't really concern myself of like, okay, they sent me somebody. So now I feel pressured to send them somebody. Like I surround myself with people who are smart and kind and who know that like, when I have someone, I'll send it. And when you have someone, you'll send it. And then like, it's just, it's a web and it doesn't necessarily always have to go back and forth. So I would say probably on the business side, I generally have a pretty big close circle in the sense of, again, I kind of go to people for different reasons, but, um, but I love it. Like, I think that, and I was, um, for my podcast, uh, carousel that I just did, I was literally looking through all the past podcasts I'd done and even with that, I had seen that like I've been mentioned on podcasts that I'm not the interviewee or whatever, but I'm being mentioned in my Instagram or my name or my website are being linked in podcasts that I'm not even on that people are like, oh yeah. And I learned this from Jordan or, oh yeah, I was in the Dundee program or yeah, I was whatever. 
And so it's like, that's what's so powerful, you know, going back to collaborations is just like, you know, yes, my inner circle is probably larger than most, but then it just, it continues to like web out, right? The ripples of what is it? Six degrees is Kevin Bacon or whatever. Um, people joke, they're like, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty much like one or two connections away from Jordan. Like Jordan will know, I know Jordan and then Jordan will just connect me to who, who it needs to be. And, uh, and I enjoy that. Like, that's super fun for me. And, and it just is really exciting that that's something that I now get to help other people do and cultivate and create and all of that. So it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. So I would say I probably have a bigger business inner circle than people would think because I'm not, um, I'm not a super high extrovert. I'm kind of an ambivert. And so at the same time, I'm not talking to people every day. And I think that's, and I'd be interested to hear like your perspective on this too, as you moved a lot was like, I don't have to talk to somebody every day or even every week to still stay close to them. You know, I don't know yeah. if you like saw that too. I, yeah. I think often that one of the benefits to having moved and started over is that I am unafraid to walk into a room of strangers. And totally. it's, I agree with you. I, I am definitely an ambivert. If you see me on stage, if you are around me, yeah. I have high energy. I am a performer. I show up. But immediately after, I need to go to a dark room and just take 10 minutes of no interaction. Um, and, and, but I, I agree with you. And I think, you know, I am, I am, I have no fear about being the first person to walk up to a table yep. and say, like, hi, I'm Katie. Here's who I am and sitting down. And that yep. has absolutely benefited me in collaborations. And like you said, just kind of being there for the right reasons and knowing that when you give and when you participate and you engage, all of that comes back to you. It really does. Um, but there was definitely a period of time where I was not talking to my parents when they moved me my sophomore year in high school. That was, yeah. <laughs> that to me was, was yeah. a difficult time. But outside of that, I would say I, I totally, totally agree with you. But um, yeah, I think you're right. Like I, I have great friends that I trust and that I lean on and that I count on. But I also know that sometimes relationships they mm -hmm. end when they're supposed to. Right. And I, yes. I think I do a better job of most than most of letting yes. go of some of those things. Um, but Same. you know, it's, I feel sometimes like I'm still in it. Um, having mm -hmm. left a, a role about two years ago and getting back into the entrepreneur journey, sometimes that is lonely, which is yeah. why I'm so appreciative of friends like you and seeing yeah. others, you know, really talk about their journeys. It makes it feel much less lonely, much more optimistic, uh, and fun. So thank you so much, Jordan. It has been such a joy to talk to you. I can't yeah. wait to see you at your live event this fall. And, um, of course I know that everybody will be benefiting from learning about all of your programs, jumping into collaborations and following you yes. on all of your platforms and definitely getting on the email list so that they can take advantage <laughs> of all of those great building in public, uh, private and personal and professional moments. Thank you, yes. Jordan. Oh, thanks so much, Katie. This was great. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. How great is Jordan Gill? As you could probably tell from our conversation, I am a huge fan of her work as a done for you service provider who helps other entrepreneurs and business owners scale their businesses. Jordan has been a real role model and an inspiration for me. And as somebody who is working to grow as a leader and to become an even better CEO and an even better human, 
what she's doing and what she's sharing from the personal side has really motivated and transformed me as well. And if you have fallen in love with Jordan the way that I have, I strongly encourage you to find and follow her all over the internet. First and foremost, Jordan is the founder and the owner of Systems Saved Me. And you can visit her website at systemssavedme.com. That's also a great place to find all of her programs, all of her social media platforms, everything that she has coming up. So systemssavedme.com. I also want you to find and follow her on social media, Systems Saved Me on Facebook and on Instagram. And a special shout out for the Ready, Set, Collab group. This is a program that Jordan founded in 2023. I was one of the very first people to sign up. As soon as the spots opened up, I said, here, take my money, let's go. And the experience inside of this program in this community has been so amazing and has really introduced me to incredible game-changing creators, business owners, CEOs, and like-minded people who believe that a rising tide lifts all our boats. And I'm so thankful for Jordan that she has created this, that she has nurtured it, and that she is so actively engaged in this. And if you are interested in Ready, Set, Collab, I actually have a special link that you can sign up. It's makemediaover.com slash ready, set, collab. You can go there. You can learn all about the program. You can see whether they are open right now for new enrollments, or you can join the waitlist and learn about the next opening for spots in Ready, Set, Collab. But again, there are so many places to find and to interact with Jordan. And I promise you that you will learn and grow, and laugh, and maybe cry a little bit. And so I really appreciate your time today. And I, of course, appreciate Jordan for sharing so much of her journey. Thank you for listening to this episode. My hope is that through someone else's journey, you're able to find what you need to keep going because a rising tide lifts all boats. Doing business is hard, but none of us has to navigate it alone. So make sure you share this with a friend or a colleague who needs to hear this message. And I would love for you to write a review so we can keep getting these incredible founder stories to as many people as possible. If you liked this episode and want to learn more about my services or would like to book me as a speaker for your next event, head to katiewidrick.com. I'll see you on the next episode of Hard Costs.